For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about teams struggling to find wins, and we've also talked about teams just finding wins every single time they hit the ice, practically. Uh, today, we are going to talk about individual streaks, hot streaks, cold streaks, guys helping their teams suck a little less, maybe guys helping teams strive to be their very best. Who really knows? And that also rhymes. Nevertheless, we will talk about the hot streaks and the cold streaks for the top NHL talents in episode 341 of the Least Month Podcast, which starts right now. Them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Before we uh, get to the lighter side, yeah. the fun stuff of the show, uh, Brett, uh, care to tell you? Uh, care to tell the listeners uh, what your Boston Bruins did? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to deliver this news. You know, it's interesting because I, I don't know if you remember this, Steve, but when this incident came out, I. Um, I, I said at the end of the day that, like, I hope I never get to hear the name Mitchell Miller ever again. Um, and then two years later, um, my team signs him. So it's just like, uh, like, what's 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 going on? Like, I, I guess I shouldn't be shocked considering, like, all the other controversies that happened in recent years. But it's like, why is it my Boston Bruins? But, um... Yet, yeah, in case um, in case you guys aren't aware, um, Mitchell and and to save you the grief of going back to uh, our episode when we talked about it, um, Mitchell Miller he um, he uh, in like middle school when he was fourteen years old, he bullied this of uh, uh, disabled black kid um, to the point where he would like. Uh, push him into the toilet, force him to eat this, like, like lick this lollipop uh, that was, like, peed on and, ve like, very, very nasty stuff. Um, also, like, called him the N-word a lot. Basically, it, like, that was, uh, that was the biggest thing, but, like, he continued to bully him. Uh, this it wasn't just one incident. It was everything. Um... And then uh, what happened was Arizona drafted him in the second round, um, and then they. Um, no, I think it was was it the fourth? I think it was the fourth round. Yeah, it was. That was the year where basically uh, Arizona either traded away their picks or got one of their picks taken I, away. I, uh, that, uh, oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Okay, I thought it was for some. Yeah, you're right. That that does ring more of a bell. But um, yeah, they they drafted this guy, um, and then there was a big backlash because the victim's mother kind of uh, went publicly saying like this this person shouldn't be drafted and in, in, in fact like a lot of scouts were saying or like a lot of NHL scouts were saying like this was this kid was on a uh, on a blacklist um, at the time no one really knew the full details um, he did get like here's the thing he did get convicted uh, for this crime um, and he was sent to juvenile delinquency or whatever. Um, and the other thing is that um, 
the the victim has never apologized to this kid even after all this stuff and this is where like you know for just forget the Bruin stuff for a second I'm all for second chances I I love second chances I I get it this guy does not deserve a second chance and in fact like he, he he's already blown hit blown his second chance cuz it's too late to apologize any any amount of like apology or recreation from this kid um is like immediately void because we all know that he wants to be in the NHL and you know he could be like you know he can re- recreate um a life like i'm not saying that like he deserves to be in jail for the rest of his life um but all right i mean maybe i am but like just the fact that like yeah we are all kids um and we all do dumb stuff but even the dumbest kid doesn't do what he does uh what he did and um and even like you know it's it's one thing to like do dumb stuff when you're a kid but he's not remorseful at all like you you it's not like you can grant second chances you have to deserve second chances and Mitchell Miller has not deserved a second chance at all um as for or the has he been given time to really prove that he's worthy of one yeah right? yeah exactly what? like you said two years later yeah and like it's it's even ridiculous that he's even allowed to be playing in the USHL like and he was like, I guess he was uh, awarded the player of the year, the best defenseman of the year. Just yeah, he had like 83 yeah. points last year or something, but yeah. that's beside the point. I don't, yeah. give a, I don't give a crap how good he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And and that's the other thing, too. So now we'll, we'll take it into the Boston Bruins stuff. Boston Bruins have had the best franchise start in their history. That's 94 years. Their original 16, they started in 1924. This is the best start the Bruins have ever, ever had. That, like, and you sign this kid for what? Like, like, just, like, I can understand it. Like, it kind of reminds me back to when the Edmonton Oilers um, signed uh, Evander Kane um, last year after that sexual abuse scandal and all that other, like, gambling stuff. And you're like, okay, the Edmonton Oilers were struggling. That makes sense. It's like, all right, they're desperate for a right winger. And yes, the Bruins don't have Charlie McAvoy. They don't have, um, you know, their, their prospect pool is very, very, uh, dire, but, I think I heard somewhere that Derek Forbert is also out multiple weeks, yeah, which is true. I think a day or so yeah. before this happened. But like, but like, even still, like, uh, like Grizzlick's back, Lindholm's mm-hmm. back, um, so um, and Mike Riley's back. Um, so it's like you know they they don't need to do this. Um, the fact that uh, a lot of the players were asked about. Uh, signing Mitchell Miller and pretty much like uh, at least Bergeron, Marshawn, and Felino, who are like the main captains of the team, have also like we're all questioning why they were why you would do this. Um, and Bergeron in particular, um, 
he like he was uh, interviewed by uh, Elliot Friedman after, and he said like, yeah, this is nothing like nothing that this guy does is um, what I stand for or what the team stands for. And here, like, I know that you're gonna talk about like why would Pasternak want to resign here, and that's a fair question, and I I totally get it. Like putting Bergeron there, this guy came back after his like best year as a Selkie nominee, and like yes, I know he's not like a generational talent technically speaking, but he's the best two-way forward we've ever seen, and you he comes back to the Bruins uh, for like a very cheap deal, one-year deal. This is his last hurrah, and this is what you throw at him. Like he's. He, like, like this guy is like a true blood, um, true blood Boston Bruin. Like, uh, like he would he do, he would die as a Boston Bruin, basically. He's and just a class act yeah. in general. Like yeah. people love and respect the guy. Yeah. does everything right. And, and honestly, I I understand. Great human being. Yeah. Like, I, like it's one thing. It's one thing if you make. A controversial first yeah. overall selection. It's this guy's got yeah. all this raw talent, but he has a temper. And right. He, you know, he, yeah. he, he's, he's not. He's not. He doesn't really have the work ethic. But we're going to draft him anyway. And you put that yeah. coach out there to, and the guy coach is supposed to justify, or the GM right. supposed to justify. This is why we made this pick, and we're cool with it. Yeah. But you, how can you defend this? Yeah, yeah. How can you defend a guy who has legally gotten in trouble for? Well, inexplicable things. Yeah. Well, I I was getting into this, but it's I guess I'm getting very long winded here. But like, just the fact that like like yes, I can understand hating Marshawn. I can understand hating Zdeno Chara when he was here. I can understand hating Milan Lucic when he was here. Hell, I can even understand hating Tim Thomas when he was here. But or like I I get it. The Boston Bruins are an original six team it comes with the territory of being a fan here but like yeah everyone loves Patrice Bergeron but just to have him like even answer for this type of thing is ridiculous um what was also strange was the coach Jim Montgomery uh wasn't informed about this that's strange uh Don Sweeney in his press conference yes I know that he made the signing and all that stuff but he was saying like he was asked like if if your kid was bullied like Mitchell Miller bullied this kid, would you have accepted his apology? And Sweeney just said flat out, no, he wouldn't. And he kept on saying like, yeah, it's a moral issue and it's iffy there. The fact that the Bruins are like, during the George Floyd situation, um, Patrice Bergeron and Zdeno Charo were the first like one of the first players to speak out about that whole thing. The fact that like every Halloween, the Bruins go to the Boston Children's Hospital uh, to, you know, to cheer up the sick kids who can't go trick or treating as easily. And it's like, you know, it's an event every single year. Um, They do that. They have like uh, a huge sponsorship with like all these like hospitals and the thing. The fact that Nick Foligno joined the Boston Bruins simply because his kids were um, were treated so nicely um, at the hospital in Boston when he was here. So, like, 
they're like it's not just that it's just like this is like basically the identity that the Bruins have had is inclusion um diversity um and yeah just acceptance and just the fact that they're like signing this thing the fact that like no like pretty much most of the players or the players that were asked about this um were not doing it it's like forget Pasternak signing this like you do not upset (laughs) Patrice Bergeron like it's just that that I'm more annoyed with it's just that like Bergeron like gave his entire life to the Boston Bruins and you're asking him to like basically be this like spokesperson when he clearly he's uncomfortable talking about this stuff and this is something that he doesn't want to be a part of and it's just that 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 part mostly offends me more and it's so so then you know you asked me before we went on that like if you think that like Jeremy Jacobs is involved and um yeah I'm pretty sure this is a Jeremy Jacobs move I know like I have no proof or anything like that but um all the stuff all from, I have is a gut feeling yeah yeah exactly and like just the fact that like Sweeney was even like topsy-turvy because like if Sweeney had justified this then he would be talking about like how good of a hockey player he's been or like all that stuff but he didn't do that like the the Bruins, uh, Sweeney and Neely didn't even talk to the victim's family beforehand. Um, it's just ridiculous that like you know there's that the players, uh, look most of the players weren't informed, which I guess is per usual. But the ones that were were questioning why uh, the coach wasn't informed, and the fact that Gary Bettman comes out and says that like. Mitchell Miller has to do a lot more. Like, he's on a blacklist for the NHL, and he has to do a lot of stuff in order to even be accepted into the NHL. Um, which Or the AHL, not or the, the AHL. American League. Yeah, which, uh, by the way, is I don't know, like, there was some pushback where the NHLPA has said that, like, they would fight that if, if that came to happen. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just, like, the fact that, like, so basically what happened is... The Boston Bruins front office. I'm not I'm like I'm including Sweeney in this because yeah, ultimately he did make this contract. But I'm gonna say Jeremy Jacobs, the Jacobs family, Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, they all have to be fired, um, like immediately. I don't care how hot of a start they are. I don't care that they built this team. I don't even care that if Pasternak goes away next year. And, like, we, we're basically the Chicago Blackhawks or whatever. That's whatever. Just the fact that, like, they're even, they even consider this. All of them needs to be gone right now. And, yeah, honestly, I was just thinking about this. Like, you know, it, like, I've been a Bruins fan my entire life. I will not be a Bruins fan if Mitchell Miller plays for the Boston Bruins a single game uh, for them because like I like that that's that's how serious this is um, it's just um, yeah it's, it's it's insane that this is going on um, yeah I don't know it's just like it, and like you know, <laughs> just the fact that like why even do it it's just like this guy like isn't even like like even if you take all this like off ice stuff out of it 
Like, he's just a mediocre prospect, basically, from all the scouts that have mentioned this. So it's just, like, the fact that, like, like the Bruins were on the hardest start ever. It's like so they just messed with bad juju. It just, you know, like, I was watching the game last night uh, against the Leafs and the Bruins, and I was just, like, I just found it hard to even root for this team. I, like, I know, like, I know it's, like, the it's not like the players signed him or anything like that. So it's, it's like, you know... It's not like that, but it's just like, like, you know, it, it just takes, it takes you out of it basically. Cause you're like, why, why even sign? Why, what, what the fuck are they doing? And I know like, you know, it's just like, I went from like the highest of highs as a Bruins fan. I mean, ultimately the Stanley Cup victory was the highest of highs, but like close to it. And then, and now I'm just like, like, I'm questioning why I'm even a Bruins fan. Um, and all, like, it's just, like, I, I truthfully, like, the Bruins, like, you know, make boneheaded signings all the time. Um, you know, that 2015 draft that's always picked on the, the uh, Zach Ronaldo trade that was picked on. I was even questioning, like, the Nick Foligno signing. I was, like, pretty close to, like, praising Don Sweeney for building this team and then now it's just like, uh, it, yeah, I, I can't defend anything basically of what they're doing. This is like out, of, like this is so far out of that, um, that like any signing, like any bad signing, because this is like not not like a hockey sense thing, like because you know ultimately that you can deride the twenty fifteen draft all you want. But it's not like, you know, these are prospects. Who, who knew that Kyle Connor would be, like, this good of a player? But, like, just, like, oh, that's the other thing, too. It's just, like, we traded away Tyler Sagan for, like, his off-ice antics uh, for, like, just partying and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you... Josh Hosang buried in the minors for being this... Well, that's different because that's like, not a, the Bruins. A, t- a tough character to deal with, but he yeah. never did anything to this degree. Right. And, and he's out of the league. Well, well, Josh was saying, I'm talking about the Boston Bruins in particular, but yes. No, Josh, but I'm just uh, giving like an example of just like, yeah, Josh was saying, you know, yeah. he was a character to deal with, but he didn't do any of this stuff. Right, he's right. out of the league, and yet Mitchell Miller is getting a contract? Yeah, yeah. Or the fact that like Mitchell Miller. Um, has the he he signed an AHL contract that's like uh like I think it's the highest contract that you can possibly play, pay someone without like the, for an ELC and that's like I guess like Sweeney was saying is that like they heard rumblings that other teams were going to sign him soon so like they were competing with it which is just sick but it's not like I like I'm shocked by that it's just I don't know it's just just insane like like i don't know it's just it's just insane <laughs> like honestly i just it, it's times like these where i'm like why am i even a hockey fan i mean i know it's like that that's very low but i don't know it's just, it's just um it's just tough um like i understand like i know it's not the same thing but i understand when like blackhawk like with this cold kyle beach situation i understand why blackhawks fans were in a, like a moral gray area because it's like what like you know you don't think that you want to root for you know I watch hockey because it's a distraction um 
from from your life and you don't like and you want to you root for these players because you know that they're good people and I I can't justify rooting for Mitchell Miller ever um I can root for Patrice Bergeron I can root for Brad Marchand I can root for David Pasternak I can root for Jeremy Swayman Linus Olmark all these guys I can't root for Mitchell Miller I just can't (laughs) I I so it's um yeah I don't know it's it's tough to um to really talk about it I know you you can go on your whole spiel now but um yeah just (laughs) I had to get that rant out of the way the one there are two things I will say the one thing is the fact that someone went behind Gary Bettman's back and did this is shocking also the fact that um I wouldn't say he's getting the slab of Voinov treatment, but like, like there have been so many players. Like Evander yeah. Kane, you mentioned, got a second chance. Jake Vertanen got a PTL. Yep. And you look at the amount of people that you question whether or not they deserve a second chance. The main guy that didn't get a second chance was Slava Voinov. Right. And the thing and with the, and the fact that Gary Bettman is just like, yeah, you gave him a contract, but. No, he's not. Just because he signed that contract means right. we're going to let him play. And 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 then lastly, to your point about your fear of the team getting divided, I don't think they'll be divided on the ice. But in terms of their relationship with uh, management, yeah. Um, I think I think I fear it's for some players. Um, if they have the option to resign, they'll yeah. prob- it, it's probably a fifty-fifty chance. Yep. And honestly, I don't how much they like to see. And honestly, I don't blame them. I think it's just, um, like, you know, as long as, like, once Sweeney gets fired and Cam Neely gets fired, then I think we're we're fine. But, um, you know, there's something, like, I want to believe that after all, like, oh, that was the other thing, too, is that uh, fans have been emailing the fan relations for the Boston Bruins so much that they got their mailbox got overbooked. Um, that they had to do like these automated like messages back to them. Um, so it's like, you know, I want to believe that the Bruins are going to like take this backlash that's happening and like, you know, rescind this offer. Um, but uh, something is telling me that this isn't happening. And that's why I believe that Jeremy Jacobs is involved with this because Jeremy Jacobs is basically Gary Bettman's right hand man basically um and um and yeah i just wouldn't put it past jeremy jacobs to do this type of thing um even 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 if they were send the offer i fear the damage has already been done. oh yeah yeah for sure um but um but yeah i i think and it's just it's just like i think that's the more disheartening thing is it's like this is david Krejci's last year this is patrice bergeron's last year pretty much i mean i know they haven't said anything but it's pretty much uh, the case. This, like, ruins that entire that <laughs> entire season. Because it's like, it's just looming over their head. And I was thinking about that when I was watching this game. It's just like, I know that the Bruins lost because the Leafs were were better, were playing better. Um, and they're a good team. But like, like, I'm just a fan. And I had moral conjuries <laughs> for this team. I can't imagine being a player right now and you have moral countries because it's like, why bother playing for a team where the higher-ups are, like, signing, like, have no morals whatsoever? 
Um, so it's like it's just you're you're just messing with good juju, and it's it's just obscene. I I don't like like yeah. I'm just speechless. Even though I went on a 20 minute rant on this, it's just it's just insane. Like I I don't know. And and honestly, that's what I I will say that I'm yeah. I mean I said this on the podcast. If Mitchell Miller ever plays in the NHL, I'm done with the Boston Bruins. Um, like point blank, um, so I'll happily ship you a Sens jersey, but I hope yeah. it doesn't come to that. Well, I've already. I I mean, the Ducks are my second team, so I'll probably be a Ducks yeah. fan. But um, yeah, it's just um, yeah, because like uh, my thinking is is that a lot of stuff has to happen. I know what Gary Bettman was saying, but like I I think I also saw reports that the NHLPA is gonna like fight that. Um, if that ever happens, and it's just like, just the fact that there is backlash, you would think the Bruins like would be smart enough not to put him into the, the NHL if they if they do continue to sign him and stuff. So it's like it's like a lot of like extra effort where it's just like, okay, why am I bothering being a fan of this team if they're not taking any of this seriously, um, any of our complaints seriously? So um, so that that's my reasoning and. Um, yeah, and until Sweeney and Neely um, are gone, um, and hopefully Jacobs, um, although I don't think Jacobs will be gone. Um, Angel would have to force him out. Yeah, basically. Um, I, um, I, I, like, yeah, but, like, at least Sweeney and Neely have to be gone. Um, yeah, I'll be, like, I don't, I don't know what I'll do in the meantime, but... Um, yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, basically, I don't know. All right. On that note, <laughs> um, we we let's get let's get to the show here. Because um, honestly, I don't love talking about this, but I you know you have to draw a line here. Um, yeah. All right. So um, we're gonna talk about three guys who have had a hot start, hot streak, and. Um, we also have three guys who have had a cold streak. Uh, we're going to start off with, um, I guess these are two hot players, um, but they they happen to be on the same team. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, Jesper Bratt and uh, Nico Heischer. Um, so uh, both of them actually kind of had a breakout season last year um, where uh, for Jesper Bratt, he had 73 points in 76 games last year. Um, this year... Uh, he has 17 points in 12 games. Um, and you can make a case that, like, maybe it has something to do with Jack being on Jack Hughes' line and all that stuff. And I guess that, that could be warranted. But the fact that Jack Hughes, like, he's doing okay too, but not as good as, as Jesper Brad has been. Um, let me see here. Brad has – is uh, – uh, let's see here. The points leader is uh, Connor McDavid with 25. Brad has 17. That puts him, let me count down, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. That puts him 8th in points here. Um, and, um, and yeah, Jack Hughes, I, I don't think he's even on here, um, on this list here. But, um, yeah, he's been really, really good. Um, and the other reason why I included... Uh, Nico Heischer on here is because, well, to start off that he um, 
he wasn't like um he wasn't terrible last year either uh he low-key had uh 60 points in 70 games last year um which is uh pretty good um it's just like you know when you think of the new jersey devils you think of jack hughes you think of dougie hamilton um but but now uh nico Heischer only missed the opening start but now he has 12 points in 11 games um jack hughes by the way has 12 points in 12 games so that's not bad but um, it should also be noted that for a playmaker, Jack Hughes is seventh in the league in shots with 53 right yeah. now. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, he's, he, I mean, he's he's good in his own right, but I think that's, like, expected. Whereas, like, the thing with Nico Heischer is, like, he was first overall in the 2017 draft, but because Kale McCarr was drafted after him, because Miro Heiskanen was drafted after him, because Elias Pettersson was drafted after him, it's like, you know, a lot of teams, like in a redraft, a lot of teams would have those guys ahead of Nico Heischer. And I think that's still the case. Um, but the other, the thing with like Nico Heischer and why I wanted to point him out was just that, like, he's finally living up to expectations. Like, you could feel, like, I think we would, st- you would still rather have Kale McCarr than, than Nico. But like, the fact that like, he's also like been really good on the faceoff dot too, uh, 60%. In face-offs as well um but yeah do you think I guess yeah I know this is like kind of cheating because we're talking about two guys here but do you think this is going to like do you think this hot start is going to continue or is this just a mirage um I think I think it could depend on how good the Devils as a team are and I I don't really want to say too much about the Devils because I'm hoping to chat about them next week. Because um, just just a little tidbit as to how the Devils have been playing, um, it took Game Ten for them to give up more than 25 shots in a game, yep. which in previous years was a problem because they would give up 30 plus shots, 35 plus shots, 40 plus shots. Goalies overworked. And their goalies struggled last year, both in terms of staying healthy and in terms of stopping pucks. Their ability to stop pucks has been suspect. And uh, speaking of injuries, Blackwood went down in that game against Edmonton. Uh, So it'll be Vitek Vance's crease until um, Blackwood comes back. But the Devils are playing all-around good defensive hockey to the point where when you're playing good defensive hockey... You are allowing your offensive players the creative freedom to do what they do best. And not to say that that wasn't the case before, because you look at Jesper Bratt's numbers, I think he had the most underrated season out of any NHL player last year. 70-plus points, near 30 goals, absolutely incredible numbers. And this year, in a contract year once again, it's looking like uh, it could result in a huge payday. And I do think it's it's, uh, sustainable. Same with Nico Heischer, if, again, he can stay healthy. Uh, but I, I, I do think that uh, a lot of their ability to produce offensively is hinged on the team's performance uh, as a whole. Because while they did have good years last year, they, they didn't have great years. I think they're on pace for great seasons if they were able to continue their solid team play away from the puck. Um, so I, I, I do think to an extent it's sustainable. It does hinge on some factors and I think it's mostly 
to the all-around defensive play of their team defense. The more time they can spend in the offensive zone to create opportunities, Jesper Bratt will continue to get goals and assists, and the same will prove true with Nico Heischer. Yeah, I you know it's it's interesting because you mentioned the injuries, and I think that's kind of been a thing with the Devils. It's like yeah, they have they've had poor goaltending, um, but it's also like Nico Heischer has uh, has had a lot of time on the IR. Same with Jack Hughes um, and a lot of other guys. Uh, Andre Palat's also on IR too, so it's like they're uh-huh. still struggling yeah. with that stuff, but. Um, yeah, if they can remain healthy, it's like, okay, you have one problem down where it's like, okay, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, like, they're they're good. But I think that's, like, you know, a question for another time is, like, okay, can they stay healthy? Um, and that's that's unclear. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, it's just interesting from... from that standpoint. Also, it's like, you know, if you... If he, let's say Heischer does get injured... Um, like Brat and Hughes are on the same line, um, so like that that can be something that's interesting. And like if Hughes gets injured, then you just move Brat with with Heischer, um instead. So it's just like I think that's like the good benefit of it. I think the concern with the Devils is that even like yeah you did mention that a uh, Blackwood is injured and Vanacek's gonna take the net. He has been performing better than Blackwood has been, um, but the thing is, is that Vanacek still has a a nine oh eight save percentage and a two point two one GAA, which his GAA is fine, but like a nine oh eight, you would want that to be just a little bit better. Yeah, for for yeah. a GAA that low, uh, the save percentage yeah. should be at least nine fifteen. So so that that's a little bit more concerning, but yeah, I, I don't think anyone like questioned the Devils' offensive abilities. It's just like. Okay, can they be healthy? Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it, it it is exciting, and well, I, I guess maybe we'll talk about them next week. I know that we, <laughs> I guess we're doing like a spoiler alert, basically. But um, yeah, it's, I, I, it's just... I, and and this is going to be something to note um, next week. Hopefully, when we talk about the Devils, um, John Marino has six points in oh, yeah. twelve games, and part of the reason why. I think Pittsburgh was able to defy father time for a couple of years now uh, was low-key because of his play, and part of the reason why they're doing so well defensively, I would attribute to John Marino personally. And also look at the Penguins struggling. I think they're a seven-game losing streak now. They've had a couple blown leads. I think they might be missing John Marino a little bit. So, Yeah. yeah, just something to think about there. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, the next guy is actually even hotter than Jesper Brad. This this is the reason why we're talking about this topic right now. Yeah, this guy. basically. Um, and we've, we've kind of teased it throughout the uh, last couple of episodes, but, of course, we're talking about Eric Carlson. Um, he's, uh, he's fourth in points right now. Not, like, not just in defensemen. Yeah, not among defensemen, the entire Forwards. league. Yeah, there's only four four. Uh, there's only four skaters, or sorry, three skaters, who are doing better than Eric Carlson in terms of points. Um, and that's Conor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Kucherov. I, I guess, like, yeah, he is tied with McKinnon and Pasternak um, with that, but... Um, and uh, McKinnon and Pasternak have played 12 and 11 games. 
uh, whereas Carlson has played in 14 games. So that's probably going to change uh, once Pasternak and McKinnon play a little bit more games. But at the moment, currently, he, he's tied with those two. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he has 19 points in 14 games. Uh, that's still very impressive, of course, um, for a defenseman. 111 points uh, projected uh, if he plays a full 82 season. And, of course, that's a big if because that's been a thing with Eric Carlson is that, yeah, like, even though he was uh, decent last year, um, he still played, um, hold on, let me look here, 50 in 50 games, um, and he had 35 points in those games. Um, and, uh, he, in fact, wow, he's doing so well that, so last year he had 10 goals, and 25 assists in 50 games. This year, he reached, he has 10 goals and nine assists um, in, in these 14 games. Um, he's doing even better than what he's been doing in Ottawa. And he was already, he was like really, really good in Ottawa. So it's just, um, I, I don't know, like the thing is, is that, well, like I kind, I, I guess I'm gonna like, uh, you know, just uh, brag a little bit because I predicted this in a way. Because um, like yeah, we ahead. had a you, you're, you're yeah. Right. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah I yeah, like yes, I I knew what you were saying because you were talking about his injury history and the fact that he's on the Sharks and all that stuff. But I was thinking of the fact that like Brent Burns is no longer on the team, um, and yeah, the only other defenseman that. Um, that really could have taken anything from Eric Carlson is uh, like maybe Ryan Merkley and currently Ryan Merkley's in the AHL right now um, and there's like you know the, the Sharks like Eric Carlson's the only offensive defenseman on the team right now so I just thought like okay this means that Carlson will finally, will finally get to see what he does and yeah, you had a point, like, there is a decent chance that he's going to miss a chunk of the season due to injury, um, and that I, I understand. But even saying that, like, yes, I predicted this, I didn't, uh, I didn't feel like, I didn't think that he would be this good <laughs> right away. Um, and it's, it's just incredible that he's, he's been doing this um, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah top of the morning to him. I still don't think, like, that he's worth $11.5 million. Okay, of course, there's an ad going on here. But, yeah, I, I still don't think he's worth $11.5 million. But, and, like, especially now where the Sharks are, like, in a rebuilding mode, it's just, like, you know, like, I'm sure there's, like, a lot of, like, uh, Greer, Mike Greer, who's the GM right now for the Sharks, is going, like, Wait, Carlson, why couldn't you just do this when the Sharks were competing for the cup? Like, why, why, why did you have to wait? Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something where it's like, you know, like Carlson was the best player on the Senators when he was in his prime. Um, and it's just, um, yeah, it's just insane that he's he's been this good. Like, even to the fact that, like, when he was on the Senators, he wasn't really a goal scorer. Um, like Kale McCarr is, but like, yeah, he's basically Kale McCarr. 
See, if I'm in a career, I hope he continues this because then his yeah. value just goes up. Like, right. He's never had more value since signing but, that fresh but here's the uh, thing. eight-year contract with the Sharks. Yeah, but like just because of his contract, I don't think... I, like I still feel like any team is going to... like No team's still going to want that out of his contract. Well, obviously the Sharks are going to have to retain at least half of it. Yeah, but, but I, I don't even think you could trade him just because it's like... He still like has like seven more years left or six more years left. I don't five. Think. Five more yeah, even five years. That's this, a lot of, this plus that's a long time. This plus another four. Yeah, I mean that's a long time. So Yeah, yeah I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna happen. But at least teams are gonna want him. I right. don't know if teams wanted Eric Carlson before this hot streak. Now there's potentially some intrigue. So, uh, speaking of uh, his career in Ottawa, the highest goals per game of his career was 0.35 when he played 17 games in 2012-2013, no thanks to Matt Cook, and he got six goals in that span. Uh, his noteworthy campaigns where he got double-digit goals. In 2010-11, second season league, he had 13-75. and 75. The year after, 2011-12, 19-81. First 20-goal season happened in 2013-14 when he got 20-82, and 82. Then he got 21 and 82 the following year, 2014 15. That was the Hamburglar run. Uh, he had 16 and 82 in 15 16. In uh, 2016 17, when uh, he played on one bad foot for the bulk of the playoffs, he had 16 and 82, uh, or sorry, 16 and 77 rather. And then he didn't hit double digits in goals until last year when he got 10 and 50. This year he has 10 and 14, which means he has a 0.71 goals per game. Goals per game's play, which is nuts for a defenseman. Absolutely mind-blowing nuts. That part isn't sustainable. Yeah. What is sustainable is the point totals. 19 points in 14 games, that's a 1.36 goals per game. He was a point-per-game player on the nose in 15-16 with 82 and 82. That's his highest point total to date. He's had a couple of 60-point seasons, a couple of 70-point seasons as well. Um, but we haven't seen that magic uh, for the most part since he signed that mega contract with the Sharks at that cap hit of $11.5 million. His shooting percentage on top of that is impressive. His highest shooting percentage, Brett, in his career was last year, which was 8.5%. He's at 22.2, and earlier this week, I think it was 26, 27%. Again, crazy, and yeah. probably not sustainable, but still, holy hell, Eric Carlson. Uh, last year, his average power play time on ice was 250 a game. A big part of that was because Brent Burns was also logging a lot of power play time. He was getting a fair amount of points on the power yeah. play. As Brett mentioned, the main guy that could probably get some of those power play minutes is Ryan Merkley. He's not even on the roster. And also, if you take a look at Eric Carlson's defense pairs, uh, he's been paired with, so far, Jacob Magna, Mario Ferraro, and Scott Harrington. Uh, I'm sure good NHL defenseman, but nowhere near the Mark Mathot level defenseman that he was playing yeah. alongside in Ottawa. And he's off to the best start of his career, I would argue. At the age of 32, yeah, 32, with some injury-riddled seasons uh, accompanying him prior to this. Uh, 
So I think in the grand scheme of things, Eric Carlson is going to have a good year, but the Sharks are going to be on a bad team. You look at the Sharks and they're near the top 10 of the league in scoring. Eric Carlson has um, accounted for 10 of the team's 36 goals, which, uh, again, not sustainable, but still, wow. Um, And then you look at the amount of goals against they give up, and you realize why the record is 3-8-3. And uh, for the better part of even strength play, they're not holding up. I will give them credit for their penalty kill. They're over 90%, which is near the top of the league. But... Power play, even strength, yeah. not good enough to really get much success. Uh, so I think Carlson is in the running for 60 to 70 points if he keeps this up. And I would call that a successful campaign for Eric Carlson. But, uh, yeah, him alone, not even close to saving the Sharks. Yeah, it is it is kind of like, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that you mention all that stuff about, like, oh, they still, like, have, like, they're still in, like, the top half of goals for... Like when you look at their standings and they're the fourth worst teams in their record. Columbus, Anaheim, LA, Vancouver. Those are the only teams that have given up more goals than the Sharks so far. Yeah. But like the uh, Ottawa Senators, the Blues, and the Blue Jackets are have the least points. However, uh, the Senators have played 11 games, the Blues have played 9 games, and the uh, Blue Jackets have played 12 games. Whereas the Sharks have played 14 games. So it's like, in the grand scheme of things, I guess, it's like, technically, the Sharks are probably worse than all those guys. But it makes it even more impressive that Eric Carlson has been doing all this stuff when uh, the te- like the rest of the team has been struggling. Um, so, um, yeah, it's interesting. And, like, I and had... I think that's part of the reason why I think it's yeah. going to continue largely right. is because the Sharks are going to lean on him heavily to get points. Yeah, so I guess. So that's why I think it's sustainable on his end of things. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like, yes, I like I do like I as I had mentioned, like he's the only good offensive defenseman there, um, and the fact that like I just looked at his average time on the power play, and it's three minutes and fifty, uh, three minutes and twenty five seconds um, on the power play, and usually power plays last like two minutes. So it's just like that's just an insane stat. But, like, then I was looking at, like, the amount of time that he was on the power play last year when Brett Burns was on the team, and he had uh, two minutes and 50 seconds on that. So it's, like, roughly around the same same amount. Um, so that, that's just funny. But, like, yeah, I don't know if, like, that necessarily holds just because, like, the Sharks are bad. Um, and as good as Eric Carlson has been, I don't know if that's, like, something that you can, like say that that can be consistent um to say really um but yeah i I do like i i did predict this but i don't think it's going to continue but he'll probably be like decent um towards um for the the rest of this year we'll see um okay uh let's go to uh the next guy here um and yes we we did spend a whole like 30 minutes on on the on his team to start this episode but i figured i should i, I think i figured we were going to talk we were going to talk about uh the, the sharks and 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 whatnot um, uh, a fair bit now because uh, once we get to the point of the season where the games matter we yeah. will be talking about that well actually so, okay before i go to the next one should i should i 
should we, because uh, I, I did ask this about Jesper Bratt and Nico Escher, do you think this is going to continue for Eric Olsen? I think I think the points will, but the goals won't. Okay. So, yeah, I would be shocked if Eric Carlson has a 40-goal season. I'd be happy, but I'd be oh, shocked. Oh, well, like, that would be ridiculous. That's, like, yeah. that's even, like, even, like, that's what we hope Kale McCarr can do, and Kale McCarr hasn't done that. <laughs> so, I don't, yeah, I don't, that would be a twist of fate if yeah. it's Eric Carlson versus Kale McCarr for most right, goals right, right. by defensemen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think he'll be this hot, um, but I, I do think that it could be, like, a Roman Yossi-type Actually, no. Then that would be. I was going to say Roman Yossi last year, but then I think that would that would mean that he would be this hot. Um, yeah, I, I could see him maybe like having like a sixty point season, which is roughly what he was doing every year for Ottawa. Um, but yeah, I don't think he. I think he's on like a hundred and twelve point pace right now. I don't think that's that's possible. Um, all right, so now we go to, um, even though we talked about this team early on, um, but uh, I do want to give this guy his his due because uh, he, um, like, yeah, it's not his fault that his team made a boneheaded signing. Um, <laughs> Linus Olmark uh, has been incredible this year. Um, he had, um, he has a 10 uh, in 10 games, he's 8-1. Um, he has a 2.16 GAA, um, one shutout, and a 9.29 save percentage. Um, this, you know, it, it's interesting because he, so he only allowed two goals last night um, on Saturday against the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, he, was still, he was still pretty good, but, like, his, his stats were even better um, uh, from, from that standpoint. So that's, that's how good he's been. Um, and even more so now, because Jeremy Swayman um, was injured um, on um, against the, the Penguins on November 1st, so that was last week, or uh, I, I think that was on Tuesday, believe it or not, which is crazy. Um, I guess time goes by, I didn't realize that was on Tuesday. Uh, but... Um, yeah, so, like, Olmark's going to be relied upon even further. Um, and, you know, I, I just wanted to just give him his due. Because last year, yeah, he was decent, or he really pulled it together um, towards the end of the season. And, you know, he had decent numbers. 9.17 save percentage and a 2.45 GAA. Um, he also had a 26-10-2 record. Um, so, like, that's not terrible. Uh, but, like, Swayman had a better record and a better stats than Olmark did. So, like, I had assumed that this would mean that Swayman would be, like, the starter. Like, I know that they were saying um, at the start of the season that they would do a tandem, but it looks like it's just Olmark's crease and Swayman's just going to be um, the guy every now and then. Um, like a 60-40 type of thing instead of a 50-50. Um and I had thought if they were going to do like a 60-40, it would be Swayman with the 60 and not Olmark with the 60. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't, like, uh, now, especially with Swayman being injured, I, I think they're, oh, it's Olmark's going to be the starter, um, even when Swayman is healthy. Um, and I, I think that makes some sense just from the future of the Bruins as well, because 
Um, you, you don't want to rush a young goalie like Swayman um, in because if you look at like around the league, like, you know, Carter Hart is struggling, was struggling uh, for a time. Thatcher Demko was, is struggling currently. Um, you know, it's just you have to be careful with, with young goalies like that. So, so I, I, I think it makes sense to just have that going. And, yeah, Linus Olmark has been really, really good. Um, the only thing that I can think that could ruin this is, one, he gets injured a lot. And secondly, the thing that we just talked about uh, early on, like uh, the fact that, like, just mental, mentally, he might not want to be a part of this Boston Bruins team um, just because of the idiotic GM and the idiotic president and the idiotic owner. Um, and, um, you know, like there's a moral thing from there. But, um, yeah, I hope it continues as a Bruins fan. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if it's like, you know, maybe he'll, he'll get a Vezina if he can keep it up, obviously. But, um, but yeah, it, I, I think there's, like, you never know with goalies. And it's just, it's just I wanted to uh, give him his due uh, for his, his really hot start. So uh, there are a couple of things where it hinges on. Obviously, health is the big concern. I don't think it's it's going to come down to his performances. Uh, if you look at the way he started it, he stopped 33-35 uh, against the Caps, a team that has gone off to a man kind of start, but they still have some offensive firepower left. Uh, his second start against Florida, he stops 38-41. Florida is expected to be... You know, the, the same Titans uh, that they were pegged as in the Atlantic Division for the past couple of years. Uh, so a good showing against them. Uh, he stops uh, 24 of 27 against Minnesota. Again, a pretty good, young, thriving offense uh, led by uh, dominant talent. Uh, same with uh, the Dallas Stars. He stops 30 of 31, gets the win there. Uh, against Pittsburgh, a hot and cold team. He looks human for the first time, but the Bruins are able to rally back and get the win there. Uh, you look at the Rangers, a nice bounce back outing, only faces 20 shots. He stops 18 of 20. And then despite uh, his first loss of the year against Toronto, he still stopped 26 of 28. So he's gone up against a lot of good quality opponents, and he's been able to get results in those. So I think on his end of things, he's fine. The injury concern, like I said, is it's always been... The Achilles heel, uh, no pun intended for Olmark. Um, the one thing that will benefit him, though, as time goes on, assuming he stays healthy, assuming he still uh, continues uh, to play like he's played to start the year, uh, Charlie McAvoy is going to come back within, you would think, the next month. Yep. Uh, and their defense is going to be close to healthy in the near future. And once that happens, I, I really think uh, the Bruins are – are going to be a much better team than they currently are, uh, which which uh, they're, they're going to need uh, Olmark to be the guy because their plan Bs are Keith Kincaid and Mikey DiPietro. <laughs> right. uh, the, the latter of which has made uh, spotty appearances in the NHL, uh, and uh, the other had a good run with the Devils, but that was like four or five years ago. Uh, so this is all Linus Olmark's team for sure until Swayman comes back. And then it'll probably be a 50-50 split for the most part. But um, as far as Olmark's performance goes, it's it's his longevity is going to be tested for sure. But I definitely think he can 
and respond and, and play well. Um, at this rate, uh, I mean, the GAA's 2.0 something, the save percentages in the 920s, uh, he's given up two goals or less in pretty much all but three games that he's played out of the nine. So um, I, I'm sure you're going to see some more human starts where the other team gets four or five goals. But uh, he's going to win more than he loses uh, with with the, the current level of play he's at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, you never know with goalies, and it's, it's interesting because I'm looking at the, like, this, uh, the stat leaders for goaltenders, and right now Jake Ottinger is in the lead in GAA. Then you have Billy Huso, Carter Hart, Logan Thompson, Connor Hellebuck, and it's the... Hellebuck has been lights out. Yeah. Speaking of guys that have been on, he's been red right on. I mean, that's kind of to he's, be... Ex- he's, sec- he's second in shots based right now. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of to be expected, but yeah, I guess there were a couple of years, the last couple of years for Hellebuck where he wasn't himself but yeah it's, it's nice to see that he's back and then you have Stuart Skinner has a high save percentage but it's more of the same guys that I just mentioned um and um so it's like it's it, it would be tough if he gets the Vezina but um but yeah I'm rooting for that I guess but um and then Ilya Sororkin's another one um and I guess we should have been talking about we don't have him on our list but Shesterkin hasn't been as good even though he's still he's still like six one and two, it's just like he's not the Vezina caliber goalie that he was last year. Um, but but anyways, um, so so yeah, I, I guess it will be tough if Omar uh, gets the Vezina, but yeah, I, I think he'll be decent still. Um, but yeah, I think the injury concern is always going to be an issue with that. And um, I mean that's kind of the beauty of having Swayman. Because, uh, you know, if you split the time, it's, like, it's less to worry, worry about. But, um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, um, and it's, like, it takes a little of the pressure off of the goalies as well. But it's still, um, yeah, just something to, to look at. Um, all right. Um, so, so, yeah, I take it that you, you think that this will continue as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, I think he can be a thirty-one goaltender easily okay. this season. Easily thirty-one. Yeah, I can I can see that for sure. Um, I I think it might be tough once Swayman comes back, and let let's assume that he's he's like Swayman wasn't doing so hot before he got injured, so it's like you know assuming yeah, that's that. Thing too. So assuming Swayman can, um, you know, get back to what we expected of him. Um, then we can, yeah, I, I could, like, it might be tough for Olmark to get the 30 wins because if they're, like, splitting the starts, basically. But, yeah, assuming that Olmark takes most of the games, um, then, yeah, 30, 30 wins is very realistic, of course. Um, all right, uh, we are going to go to the cold streaks here, um, and we're going to start off with Jordan Cairo. Um, and, um, yeah, he has four points in nine games, uh, and this was coming off of last year when he had 75 points in 74 games. Um, I, I think what's more crazy about this blue or Jordan Cairo is more that, like, I was just looking at his game logs. 
Uh, he had, um, and he's more known for his goal scoring abilities, so that's where I'm like focusing more of my attention to. And he had one goal in the second game, um, and then he had two goals on October 29th, so that would be his uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So he had two goals in his seventh game and one goal in his second game, and that's the only time he scored. Um, and he has no assist at all um, in any of those games. And um, as I mentioned before when I was talking about the Sharks and the standings, um, the uh, for some reason the Blues have only played nine games where most teams have played like, like 11 or 12. Um, so it's just like, so, you know, hopefully eventually, I would assume eventually the Blues will catch up to the rest of the league, but... Uh, you know is, what's alarming? Sorry to interject, right? You know yeah. what's alarming about the Blues, though, is that they have only played nine games. Well, that's what but I'm saying. The NHL, but the NHL's top three worst plus minuses are all St. Louis players. Oh. And Jordan Cairo with a minus fifteen has a league worst plus minus rating. Ryan O'Reilly, who has uh, one goal in nine games and has also struggled, is a minus twelve. And your boy yeah. Tori Krug is a minus eleven as well. Yeah, my boy. Um, the uh, there's, there's something off with. Uh, I guess I was looking on fan tracks and it says that he had a one assist, but he actually just says. Oh no, never mind. I was just reading it wrong. So he has three points in nine games, and all those points are goals. Um, which is like even like even if he did have a couple of assists, um, he's not really like he's not really a playmaker. So it's not like you know. It's not like a huge thing, but it stands out because it's like even like his goals, his goal total is low as well. Um, so it's just it's just insane that he's he hasn't been as good either. But yeah, maybe this is more of like an outlook of how bad the blues the blues have been. Um, yeah, the blues as a whole have yeah. not been great. Right, because like I know Jordan Bennington has struggled because of course he <clears> does, <throat> uh, or yes, but. Um, but yeah, I think it's like it's not helping that like Ryan O'Reilly's not doing well, uh, Jordan Cairo's not doing well, um, and all these guys are not doing so well um, as you were just alluding to. So um, yeah, there, I don't know. I you know it's it's interesting because in 2019 the Blues were at the coldest of starts. They had you know they had the worst record in January and whatever, and then. They had a really insane second half, and they make the playoffs, and then they win the Stanley Cup, of course. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, so, like, I could, you know, pretty much everybody on this team except for Justin Falk, Braden Shen, um, Vlad Tarasenko, Rob Thomas are, like, deserving of, like, wait, what's going on? Because Tori Krug has four points, Barbashev has three points. Kairu, as I just mentioned, has three points. Um, Buchnevich has two points, although he's played in four games. Um, and yeah, and, and as I just mentioned, like Bennington has like a 340 GAA and an 879 save percentage. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, every time I talk about Jordan Bennington, I'm just like, Jeez. I got Thomas Grice <laughs> my fantasy team just in case Bennington struggles. And yeah. hey, look what happens. But even. I mean, okay, I was saying, like, yeah, but even, like, Grace hasn't been 
that great. Like, yeah, he has a 915 yeah. save percentage, but a 328 GAA, um, and he hasn't won yet. So that's not great. But, yeah, no, I, I I actually picked him up on one of my teams as well with that thought. But it has, it's like, what's the point? It's not like Rice has been even better. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I... I I think the like I, I think it's too early to give up on this team and Jordan Cairo, um, but um, but yeah, I'm, like and I hate that minus like plus minus stat, but uh, just because it's like it's not like, the true tell of how effective someone is on the ice because it's like you know, it doesn't count the power play. It also doesn't count like you know Cairo could have just been on the ice or just stepped on the ice while the yeah. goal has been scored or whatever. So I haven't seen every single goal that uh, has been scored on when Kairou has been on the ice. But a minus 15 is very alarming. Um, and that that's when you start to pay attention and you're like, in nine games, that's, that's pretty alarming. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that has to, that has to continue. I, I feel like it's still too early to to venture what's doing uh to like say that he can't come back from this but um but yeah it's definitely concerning and you wonder what what's going on i think i think he can be a 60 to 70 point guy this year and he will overcome this slow start i'm not so confident about his team again when you consider the fact that o'reilly has struggled yeah. and and Krug has struggled. You look at the pairings that uh, that um, Jordan Kyrou has been a part of. Uh, the most common line mates he's had are Brandon Sod and Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, the second most common line, Ryan O'Reilly on it again, this time with Braden Shen. And then uh, Vladimir Tarasenko and Robert Thomas have also uh, been uh, on the ice with Kyrou a couple of times uh, this year. That's the third most common line that he's been on. So... Uh, when when I see that and I see a lot of those guys that have just as alarming plus minuses on there, it, it kind of shows that a lot of people on St. Louis aren't really doing well and a lot of people need to pick up the pace. And it's not just Jordan Cairo, but that doesn't uh, that doesn't uh, discontinue the fact that Jordan Cairo um, has been off to a rather forgettable start. And uh, for his sake, I hope it doesn't continue. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder, because I know that he's one of the, I, I hate to bring this up, but I know that he's one of the Team Canada people. Um, on, yeah, on the 2018 roster, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if this is, like, affecting him. Like, I'm not, like, you know, I don't want to speculate, of course, but, like, I wonder if that, like, even just, like, like mentally, it's, like, you know, it's been tough on him, so he's just trying to um, figure that out. Like, even if he wasn't involved, um, I wonder if that's like that has something to do with it too, but um, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe. Um, all right, let's go on to the next topic. Um, uh, this guy is um, Elvis Merzilkins. Um and this isn't as surprising because it's not like Merzilkins had a great season last year either, um, but. Um, but I mostly wanted to talk about this because the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets have not been good um, at all. And it's a lot of it has to do with their goaltending. Um, and uh, Merzilkins 
um, has had, uh, let's see here, uh, he has, uh, he's two and five, um, he has a 4.82 GAA and a save percentage of 863, uh, Daniil Tarasov. I think he's getting paid over a million now a year. Yeah, something like that. Um, like, you know, like, he didn't, as I mentioned before, it's not like he had a great season last year. Uh, where he had a 3.22 GAA and a save percentage of 907. So that's not great, but it's, you know, decent. I also should mention that, like, he he saved 1,742. He had, he had those many saves, and that's a lot of saves. I think he he, um, he had the most saves in the, uh, in the league or something like that. Um, and Tarasov, who's the backup for the Blue Jackets, um, he hasn't been as good either. Not as bad as Merzulkins has been, but uh, but Tarasov has like a 3.57 GAA and a save percentage of 893. Uh, Korpisalo came back um, and he played in Finland, um, his home country, uh, but he gave up five goals um, and an 889 save percentage. But that doesn't do it really justice because he was shot at 45 times um, and he... <laughs> So, so he made 40 saves. Um, and I think, like, you know, I, I think this is more of a tell. Oh, and, and lastly, Patrick Laine. Um, said yeah, after, I'm trying this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so according to Aaron Portsline, who's, like, the beat writer for the Blue Jackets of the Athletic, um, and Patrick Laine has never been one to bite his tongue on anything, and that's something that you appreciate for him. But uh, he says... Um, so after losing to both uh, both games to the Avs in Finland, his home country, he says, It sucks. I'm kind of wishing that this trip had never happened after this. I feel like it was just a waste of time for us. It sucks. That's all I've got to say. Um, and yeah, I mostly just, like, you know, Merzilkins has to be better, but just reading out the other goaltenders on Columbus, it's like, the like you know it, it's just like something is going off with with goaltending and their defense um because nothing's working for them um and uh you know they they call in David Yerchek who um he's only played two games he was their draft pick this year um yeah he, he has like a minus four like a lot of these like as I mentioned like I'm now looking at plus minus like it means anything but now I'm seeing here, like, Sean Corrali and Zach Wierenski both have a minus eight. That's worst on the team. A good Branson has a minus seven. Boone Jenner has a minus seven. Chinakoff, Warcheck have a minus seven. It's just, like, all, like no one has a positive. Um, that That's more alarming. The only two are Kent Johnson, which is good on him. Um, he's been good. But uh, And Gavin Bayreuther, who's only played one game. And those guys have only have a zero on their plus minus, and Ken Johnson has played on on average twelve minutes a game. So, um, so that's like a true tell of anything. Um, the good news though is uh, Johnny Goudreau has been as good as advertised. He has nine points in twelve games, um, and he's the lone bright spot uh, for the team. Um, but uh, yeah, if I'm Johnny Goudreau, I'm just like. Why didn't? Why wasn't I on the New Jersey Devils? Like it's just, I I'm sure that's that's. I mean, I doubt that is actually what he's thinking because it was a choice that he made. But um, I'm I'm sure he's kicking his butt right now, just thinking like, 
I could have been on the hottest team in the league right now in the New Jersey Devils. And um, instead, he's on this, like, tire fire of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, yeah, I thought the Blue Jackets would be better. Um, I know that, like, you know, they had defensive struggles last year. Uh, but the fact that they did sign Johnny Gaudreau, I felt like, okay, there there might be something to that because Johnny Gaudreau is a good player. He is a difference maker. Um, and all that stuff, but clearly um, they didn't address their defense and their goaltending, so this is something that we probably could have foreseen that this would happen. Um, I know it's still early, um, and we do know that like Elvis did have a really good rookie year, um, so there is something there. It's not like um, he's been bad his entire career, uh, but um, but yeah, it's it's I'm not really sure what to hap- what 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 could happen. I guess the only thing that stands in my head is that like Brad Larson is, just gets fired, um, and it could happen this week. So um, I was googling Elvis versus Lincoln's, and uh, this is not the article that I was hoping to stumble across. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is a headline in the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, Blue Jackets murders Lincoln's wife get fan abuse. Quote, you, your kid, and your husband should die. Jeez. So uh, he's dealing with that uh, to the point where it's got it's gotten so bad yeah. that um, Especially his wife is not going to be taking his one year, uh, their one-year-old son to games anymore because she's scared of him being there. Well, that's um, that like that's also coming from a goaltender because uh, he had uh, his best friend, the uh, other Blue Jacket that I'm blanking his name on right now, but that goaltender who died uh, two summers ago. Um, yeah, um, it's uh, Mattis Kiblenix. Yeah, yeah, Kiblenix. Um, so it's like he has to deal with death threats now, and and his wife was there when when Kiblenix died too, so. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. Well, the kid Lennox actually dove to to protect her, and uh, she was pregnant at the right, time, to, right. so to protect her kid as well. That's right, right. But yeah, that that's like also you know, uh, uh, after that after that fact, all of last year he was bothered by uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, cannon going off because it reminded him. Oh of yeah, that event. that's right. Yeah, I don't I don't really blame El, like the wife for that for that story. It's like all right, yeah, you no no it's it, it's it's it, it just goes to show you like what the the scope of what he's dealing with. He's dealing yeah. with abusive threats from fans right. who are just going deeper than just saying hey your place sucks. Yeah, like they're going way beyond that. And then, plus, of course, that dramatic event where he loses one of his best friends right yep. in front of him. And, of course, the cannon going off, reminding him of that event, like, that's yep. a lot of stuff to deal with. And th- there's one particular instance where the Blue Jackets were on a power play. I was listening to one of the hockey guys' videos. And he was acknowledging Columbus's slow start. And I think there was this play where Columbus is on the power play and... So they have five skaters, the other team has four. All of a sudden, the puck is in the back of their net, and it's almost as if Elvis is saying, what can I do there? (laughs) So you got a rattled goalie who's frustrated with his play, plus a lot of other stuff on top of that. I think it's just, for Elvis, it's bigger than just the fact that he's not playing well. I think he's... I, I, I think the past couple of years just 
with COVID and everything, it's been rough on him. And and try as he might to maybe get out of whatever funk that he's he's in, um, so, sometimes it's it's just not all that easy. And also, you again look at Columbus's defense and you realize, wow, it's on the same level as Ottawa's, which is not really good. Like, yes, you have Jake Bean, you have Adam Bjorkvist, but they're young defensemen that haven't really fully matured. Their most mature defenseman is Zach Wierenski. The second most matured is Erica Branson, who they gave a 4 by 4 for whatever reason. And you have guys like uh, Andrew Peake and Vlaslav Gavrikov, who right. I, I think have done a fairly good job at holding their own. But they need a lot more than that, especially in that tough Metro division, to really compete with the other teams. It doesn't matter how good Johnny Goudreau is, how many goals Patrick Laine is scoring. It, it, uh, how good the young guys uh, are playing Chinnikov, Sillinger, all of them it doesn't matter if you're giving up 30, 30 40 50 shots a game uh, giving the other team a lot of power play time to work with and the, that, that's how you uh, give a recipe for allowing too many goals and you lose too many games as a result of that so Elvis it's, it's a mixture of the team not playing well plus um, a, a lot of stuff that he's gone through over the past few years, and I, I, I think I think it's accumulated into you know the, the perfect storm for just a very bad start. And he he said himself that he wanted to have a sharper focus heading into this season. He wanted to get off to a good start, but it just hasn't happened that way. And boy, uh, the numbers exemplify that big time. Yeah. Do you think uh, the Blue Jackets are going to figure this out? Or I guess now their coach, I, I think their coach is unfortunately the fall guy in this. Um, yeah. And and it's it's not that whether or not he can figure this out. I just think in order for them to really play to their full capabilities, I think it's going to take a, a fresh voice in there. Right, right, right. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I think I agree with you. I feel like he's going to be fired right now, pretty soon. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. The other question is, is Yermo going with them? Because right. he's built a good chunk of this roster, and if he's not, if he's not going with, um, if he's not going with Larson, um, it, it could be the final chance to right the ship. And if he fails in that regard, well, then he's gone for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. The next. A player that we're going to talk about is actually going to be playing pretty soon, um, mm-hmm. but uh, that because this is a Sunday, so by the time you hear this recording, you'll know what what goes on here. Uh, it's Sam Reinhardt. Um, by the way, I don't know. I don't think we. I, I this just happened, but uh, Matthew Kachuk um, is suspended two games uh, for spearing Jonathan Quick um, last night, so he's not going to be playing tonight. Um, so I wonder what that effect will have on the on this Panthers team. But anyways, uh, Matthew Kachuk, I guess he could have been on the hot start because he had uh, 17 points in 12 games. Carter Verhage has 11 points. Barkov has 10 points. Even Colin White has 8 points. Brandon Montour has 8 points. Even Louis Duranian is uh, yeah. having a little Louis bit of a has in, uh, 7 points. Gustav Forsling, it's like who's this? Aaron, yeah. Who's Aaron Ekblad? It's like you have Brandon Montour and Gustav Forsling, right? Um, so 
So I, I only mention that because, like, yeah, because, you know, Verhey had a great season last year, Barkov had a great season last year, and uh, Kachuk had a great season last year, too, but he's been, uh, he's, so far, he's been better than Jonathan Huberdeau has been. Um, but, um, and he's kind of, like, lived up to uh, that that trade so far, at the very least. But the, the one guy that, when you look down on all these stats... You notice Sam Reinhardt. He has three assists on 12 games. Um, and it's not like, you know, because in the past, um, he hasn't, like, he was notoriously on that, like, Lundell line with um, Marchment last year and on, on the third line there. Um, and it just was a testament to how good the uh, that team was, or, like, just the team was, is that, like, Sam Reinhardt's on your third line. Um, and he was pretty good on on that front. Uh, he had 82 points in 78 games with 17 minutes of ice time last year. This year, he has more ice time. Uh, 20 minutes of ice time and only three assists to show for it. Um, yeah, it's just, um, I, like, I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on, really. Um, and it, it's not like he's, like, I guess we'll see what, what goes on with without uh, Kachuk in these next two games, um, but I am just curious to see like some he's just not getting going um, for whatever reason because I believe um, is he on a line with Barkov and Verhey or is that um, at currently oh. the latest projection on daily faceoff oh. has him on a line with Stan Bennett at center and on the le- on the left wing Rudolph Spalsers. Oh, okay, and Colin White has actually been pretty good too. Yeah, he's been on the third line. <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy. But, like, Colin White has been outperforming Sam Reinhardt um, mm-hmm. so far. Um, so also, yeah. Alexei Heponiemi is the first line right winger. Oh, so, wow. even with Magic Kachuk out, I guess Paul Maurice uh, likes Reinhardt on the second line, and he doesn't want to mess with the Yeah, that's, but, like, that's so strange, too. It's because, like, Sam Reinhardt, like... Like, whatever. Like, even, like, last year, he shouldn't be on the third line. Like, I get it that they had, like, you know, that's kind of, like, one of the strengths for the Panthers is that they have a bunch of depth. But, yeah, just the fact that, like, he was even put on the third line is just insane to me. Um, But, yeah, so maybe with being with Sam Bennett um, this time can help. Um, But... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, you would think that, like, because you give him more ice time, that would mean that he'd get more points. Uh, that's usually how it works. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, he's he's not doing it. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's, like, something where, you know, how I look. Like, this is just a conspiracy theory here. It's, like, you wonder if it's it has something to do with him being... Um, like, he might just be injured and he's playing injured. Um, but um, in, in which case, he should just, you know, he's hurting the team instead of helping the team. Um, but, yeah, I'm just curious to see what, like, if, if this can continue. And, like, Jordan Cairo, it's still very early. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely concerning because you wonder, like, okay, what's going on? 
I hope for the love of all that is holy that Sam Reiner gets on a hot streak because my fantasy team depends on it. I chose not to protect Mark Stone, Shay Theodore, and Muir Heiskinen because I thought Sam Reinhardt is going to keep on trucking. He's going to get 80-plus yep. points, easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. And instead, he has three assists in 12 games and no goals on 33 shots. But that's not what stuns me the most, Brett. Can you tell me what his power play time on ice averages per game this season? Um, no, I don't have that on me. Take a guess. Um, one minute. Four minutes and 56 seconds. Jeez. <laughs> That's Nearly five minutes of power play time per game, and he has scored zero goals on 33 shots. I, I can't even comprehend that. Like, like, how do you get into a scoring rut that, that yeah. quick? It's, it's crazy. Well, that's so like that, uh, Timo Meyer. That's hopefully my indication this is not the last. Um, that he's just stinking. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, of all the guys that I expected to get off to a slow start, Sam Reinhardt was not one of them, especially with the amount of depth guys that yeah. Florida has. It should be noted also that Carter Verhage has gone off to a relatively slow start. And I think part of the reason uh, that Reinhardt has started off slow is because, A, new coaching system and a new coach, and, B, uh, they're trying to adapt with uh, to life without Jonathan Huberto and with Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. And I and you look at Matthew Kachuk's stats, despite the suspension, he's, I think, a top 10 scorer in the league this year. Yeah, so yeah. he's been holding up his end of the bargain. Well, uh, Like you said, a lot of players on Florida are also looking good, even with Ekblad out on the back end especially. Yeah. Uh, so they have that good for them. And Ekblad's coming back. Whatever, so. It's just not looking. Uh, you mentioned Verhage is off to a cold start. He's not off to a cold start anymore. He has 11 points in yeah, 12 games. Well, so. that's that's a good sign that hopefully Sam Reinhardt picks yeah. it up soon. In fact, I think in his last game, he did get a point. So by the way, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that by the time you hear this podcast, he'll probably have a hat trick or something. But, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, by the way, did you uh, – so uh, this is a trivia time here because I'm looking at Carter Verhage's stats here. Uh, do you um, – what team drafted Carter Verhage? What team drafted Carter Verhage? Oh, I think I know this one. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep, yeah. I thought you would be tricked because he did play for the Tampa Bay Lightning um, for a time, and he was he, in the he system went for a long time. Toronto, then he found his way to the Islanders, then he found yep. his way to the Lightning, yep. and then he made it big in Florida. Right, right, right. Correct. That yeah. was the order of Basically, but I didn't realize that he was even drafted by Toronto. I had assumed that he was uh, drafted by Tampa. Anyways, we're getting sidetracked here, but yeah, I, I, I think yeah that that statistic about his shooting percentage and the fact that he spent so much ice time on uh, the power play, um, yeah, it, it makes it seem like he'll he'll figure it out eventually. Um, but yeah, we'll see. How about this question? Do you think? Okay. Do you think who who do you think is going to have a better season now, Jordan Cairo or Sam Reinhardt? Um, I think Sam Reinhardt. Okay. I think Sam Reinhardt. Uh, I'm really concerned about the Blues. Uh, as a team, and I think that will reflect somewhat in Kyrou's final stat line. Um, I think as the Florida Panthers continue to build up steam and get wins, which I think they will, uh, Sam Reinhardt will benefit from that. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah, no, you were talking about fantasy hockey. Um, I have a team that has Yesterer Brat, Nico Heischer, Eric Carlson, so guys we just talked about. But we also, I also have Sam Reinhardt on my team too. So it's like, uh, it's a funny thing. It's just a coincidence that we talked about these guys. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, he, Sam Reinhardt's the only. Well, and Jack Campbell are the only two that aren't doing as good as I thought on that team. Anyways. Um, I do want to quickly mention a couple of shout-outs um, because sure. uh, we're obviously probably going to talk about these guys as the season progresses. Um, but uh, Martin Nakash, uh, off oh, yeah. to a hot start alone. Jason Robertson is seventh in scoring. Did not expect him to be that good despite his previous success. Especially uh, since he and, missed. Uh, and Gabe Velarde has also looked good for the yeah. Kings. Nine goal in uh, 14 games for him and also pointing in player. Especially for J Rob because he missed the entire training camp too. So it's just also like, Cole Caulfield, low key has eight goals in twelve yeah, games, so no scoring too. slump to start the year for him at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the cold starts, uh, Timo Meyer hasn't been good. Um, he could have. Yeah, easily but been uh, I think he's first in shots on goal. So again, like yeah. Reinhardt, you would think those numbers are gonna right. Right. He, yeah. When you when you mentioned that shooting percentage or like just how many shots, I was just like, that's basically yeah. Timo Meyer. Um, and um, yeah, but that, that's that's interesting. But yeah, well, um, it's it's still unclear who what we'll talk about next week, but we'll see. Um, yeah, that that about does it for us here. Um, hopefully I'm still a Bruins fan by next week. Um, I, was, I hope so too. I, hope I actually so. saw a fan suggest this, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, mm. but, um, they said that, well, one, that Boston should receive some sort of penalty for making the league look bad. Um, and, uh, but like another suggestion was, uh, Boston should eat the contract slot and the contract is terminated and Boston makes it right by committing the money for the duration of the to a charity of the victim's choosing. Um, but I, I, don't that. gonna, I don't think that's going to happen, but I would hope that happens. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah, and that was the other thing. I mean, you, you mentioned this too. It's just like the fact that the Bruins did this behind the NHL's back, it's just... Insane. It's like even more baffling. Like it was already baffling. It's like you're on. You're the hottest team in the league. Why do this? But it's like even more baffling to do this behind the NHL's back. It, it, it makes no sense. Um. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I guess the weirder thing is, is like if if the if he is really blacklisted by the league, it's like then why was he even approved to? be signed that that part i don't really understand but anyways it's a it's a hopefully this this doesn't come to light we'll we'll let's just hope for that and he, his contract gets terminated this week uh we'll see we'll see um anyways um on that note uh you can follow us on twitter at lace up podcast our facebook is lace them up um and uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 342 of the Lace Up Podcast.